There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Chowder or maybe cranberries. Whatever your taste is, there'll be plenty of it this week coming up in Massachusetts. We have the Eastern Insider Podcast, a full discussion of Eastern's trip upcoming So UMass this week, Alex. It's a big trip. And you know, Greg, we always talk about our food interests on this show. And the New England region definitely does have some pretty good food. You didn't even mention seafood, lobster, those types of things. Although with lobster prices lately, I don't know that we're going to be eating that uh, on the per diem budget. But nonetheless, some good opportunity. When you're flying into Hartford, I don't know (laughs) that I call lobster and seafood. I don't think of that in Connecticut. That's true. I I don't think the quote-unquote fresh catch of the day up here is is necessarily fresh either. But I'll tell you what, you and I are excited for a big week ahead and a chance to bounce back for Eastern Michigan football at UMass. If you think we're excited, though, Rob Rubick, our color analyst for WMU, he's already on the way to to the East Coast. He's out in Maine spending a little bit of time. I'm sure he's doing a lot of extra prep work uh, as he's chowing down on some really fresh lobster and getting some fishing time in with his uh, family this week. Yeah, he goes from cheese curds one week to going to uh, Maine the next. The cheese curds were good. The cheese curds were good in Wisconsin. Tom Helmer delivered clutch on the restaurant pick on Friday. We had a good time in Madison. Uh, had a great time there. The people were very hospitable. Eastern's outcome, not what they wanted, but again, a good showing for EMU football, a 34-7 loss to Wisconsin. The Badgers were able to run the football effectively in the first half. In the second, Neil Nethery's defense changed what they do, and that's been the story of his tenure here 
Second half adjustments coming up clutch and finding ways to limit the Badgers. That's what the Eastern did. They got a pick that went for 98 yards. The third, real. it depends how you count. Could be the fourth longest, could be the second longest, however you want to break ties. <laughs> really, really historic pick six by David Carter Jr., just a freshman, Greg, in that second half. And you did mention that Eastern Michigan came out with a lot of positives out of that Wisconsin game. Second half, Eastern Michigan this season, its opponents are only scoring about 30% of their points in the second half. That's down nearly 20% from last Last year, you can read all of that information and much, much more in the game preview that was put out on emueagles.com uh, this morning. So make sure you take a look at that if you want to know all of the breakdowns heading into this week's matchup with UMass. And you mentioned, Greg, the ability to rebound well in the second half and to finish in a much stronger position than they started. That's something we also saw out of Eastern Michigan Volleyball this week. A tough go of it to start their trip to Chicago where they took on a couple of different opponents in Chicago, but they were able to finish 2-1 and one on that trip. Uh, finished off with two consecutive wins after being swept in their first match. And so Darcy Dorton's got her squad back up to to an even record, 4-4 four and four this year. And some other great things that are happening around campus with all of the teams uh, getting set to resume play this week. Soccer had a weekend off last weekend, but they're back at it this week. So lots of great energy going around around the athletic department, a full schedule on tap for this week. Yeah, Alex, you look at it, you talk about volleyball. They'll be back home. They've got Boston College on Saturday. They also are part of the Michigan tournament. Well, they'll battle the Wolverines as well as getting the Flyers of Dayton. Soccer, you touched on. They'll battle the Western Wind of Western Illinois on Friday and then close it out at Loyola, Chicago. And then we also get to see tennis in action. They'll host a tournament this week. Northern Kentucky coming, Oakland, as well as Bellarmine. And then we also get one more trip for cross country. They had a good showing recently that they'll head to Tallahassee to take on the FSU cross country open this week. And then we also get our first trip to the links. Women's golf will get things going there at the Cardinal Classic outside Muncie. So lots to talk about. Lots to talk about, lots to follow. Make sure you're uh, sticking with emueagles.com all week long. Follow each team on social media at their respective handles. We do a great job. Try to keep you updated as much as we can. So thank you to everybody in our office. Thank you to all of you who are following along, supporting the teams. And Greg, you and I can both attest. Coaches know and players know when people are following them along, giving support, sending support. So if you're following along on social media, if you're liking things, commenting on things, I can promise you the student athletes and the coaches see that, they hear that support. And they really appreciate it every step of the way. So can't thank you enough for doing that. And speaking of social media, Greg, remember third episode of the season for us. And we want to hear from you. So if you have suggestions on what you want to hear on the show, who you want to hear from, things you might be interested in learning about, send me an email, shoot me a text, call the office. I don't care. Get a hold of me and we'll try to get you taken care of in that regard. But Greg, as we keep moving along in this show, a big episode this week. And we're really focusing in on football as they'll try to, again, get back on track against UMass. I know that you had a chance to sit down with Coach Creighton. What are some of the things we can look forward uh, to hearing about in that interview? Yeah, we talked to Coach Creighton today about one the week that was in just his overall impressions. They played a lot of new faces, especially on the defensive side of the football. Injuries have been a problem this year as they are with every, any football team. Coach isn't going to shy away from that. We talk about that, as well as if he sees any similarities to this UMass team. They're trying to break a 13-game losing skit. If you think back to Coach Creighton's first and second years, the wins weren't coming. Sometimes you just need that first breakthrough. We talked to him as 
his thought on where UMass is as a program. Greg finishes up that conversation, and then it's back with me as I talk to senior offensive lineman Mike Van Hoven. It's his sixth year. He's a, He's got a unit. He's leading a unit that's really, really mature and has a lot of game experience. We'll talk to him about the week that was again with a little bit of Wisconsin, but really a lot about the internal side of the offensive line and the offense as a whole. He'll give you a great breakdown on the quarterbacks, the running backs, his offensive line coach, the room. And he also throws in some good insight on what his favorite plays are and just what it's like to be talking trash to the defensive line uh, when his unit steps out onto the field. So a jam-packed football episode, lots of great things coming your way. And we'll be back with you next week, of course. But Greg, before we send uh, everybody to the interviews for this week, I think we should bring up really quickly that next week is another home game. We'll play Texas State on Saturday. And it's a big opportunity because we're celebrating a lot of different things uh, against Texas State on that game, uh, including Hall of Fame Day. Yeah, it is Hall of Fame weekend. Is a big weekend coming back. The Thomas Twins are back. They will be back. Uh, Jason Jones there. We've got other folks that haven't been to campus in a while. You need to come back and see this group. They'll get enshrined Friday night. We'll have a live stream on emueagles.com if you're unable to make on Vacation Center for the ceremony, and then you'll get a chance to see them once more on uh, during the game at halftime. It's also family weekend throughout campus. A good chance, if you haven't been around campus, to come back, be part of the community. We know that you came out in droves for Com University Day. You'll come back and soon for homecoming, but another reason to be back on our beautiful campus. Well, we're on the road this week, so no prize giveaway, but I can tell you right now, next Monday's episode, there will be a keyword to listen in for. So four of you have an opportunity to come to that game for free. We're going to give away a four-pack of tickets and some more great things to that Texas State game. So keep listening in this week. Listen in next week. We'll have a great chance to for you to bring your family out and hopefully maybe meet some of those Hall of Famers in person and see a game at the factory for maybe the first time, maybe the 10th time, maybe the 20th time, but hopefully it'll be a great experience. So be sure to keep on listening in after this break. We're going to go jump right into the episode. It's Greg Steiner sitting down with Chris Creighton. We'll end it with my conversation with Mike Van Hoven. Lots of jam-packed information on this week's edition of the Eastern Insider. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll be right back after this. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be. Whether you're in the D or out to sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time, the Eastern Insider Podcast. Our weekly conversation with EMU head football coach Chris Creighton. This week, his Eagles make the trip to the Bay State to take on the Minutemen from UMass and a trip to pick up their second win of the year. Before we talk about the week that is, the week that was, coach, your team goes on the road to Wisconsin. You pl- are able to play a lot of players, able to get a lot of different things. Uh, what was your biggest takeaways in terms of being able to play so many guys, especially guys, some of them for the first time? Yeah, it's really true defensively. We we played 75 defensive plays. We only played 40 on offense. You know, we weren't able to move the ball and get first downs. Um, but so defensively, that was our plan to try to keep people fresh and and play a lot of people. And, and we did just that. And, uh, you know, uh, they obviously had a lot of yards um, and they're very, very good. But we feel, um, you know, really good about about how we played them defensively. Um, guys played incredibly hard and um, gave up two explosives, but uh, otherwise, you know, kept the ball in front and took it away for a, a really long pick six, which was just a, a huge um, uh, moment for David Carter and the defense in the game. 
so that was a real positive. Um, you know, I think another positive would be um, Jake Julian, you know, and and our punt team. Just we've we've known and talked about, uh, you know, what a weapon he is. But uh, I think that really, really showed um, on Saturday night. You mentioned Julian right now. He's the nation's seventh leading punter in terms of average, just shy of 50 yards a contest, first in the MAC, And overall, your special teams right now, you're one of two units nationally not to have allowed yet a punt return yard on, as Colorado State also minus one. And your punt unit nationally is eighth and first in the MAC. Those are some pretty good numbers, especially knowing the fact he had to punt a little more than you would ever like to see him out there. Yeah, he punted eight times, but the season's young. I mean, the you know, um, <clears throat> we're off to a good start. Uh, we had some um, some special teams issues. I mean, it's you know um, for sure on on Saturday, but those will be corrected. And you know, you asked about a game and like that and what it does. I mean, you know, in that environment, it's just great experience for everybody who played and was there about playing at a high level and and um, the the intensity and the focus that you need, the ability to c- communicate with the noise and. Uh, so we just, we, we did, we got a lot out of it, although it was obviously very, very frustrating and disappointing that, um, you know, we weren't able to compete better than we did. And, um, you know, offensively, uh, again, hats off to their, to their defense. Um, you know, Penn state struggled mightily and, and so did we, I just think they're, they're really good. And, um, uh, you know, we, we've, uh, it's been good for us because, you know, it, it's, challenged us to really look hard at what we can do better and how we can do it better. And um, we're not far off. (laughs) Um, And so we're excited about getting going again. One of the things that we've noticed this year and it continued was the ability for the team overall to adjust after halftime. You look after the break, Wisconsin was really limited offensively, had to punt a few times. They turned it over as well. Uh, Second half adjustments in general, uh, how do you and your staff work about trying to decide when you go into the locker room what you want to do in that second half? Well, I mean, <clears throat> both offensively and defensively, and then Coach Nunez does it as well. But, you, you know, we have a, you have a system. You have a, a checklist of things that you want to make sure that you're going through. You want to be consistent with that. And sometimes it's a, a one-word answer that you don't have to spend time. But um, you want to make sure that, that uh, you know, you're figuring out what the other opponent is doing. Um, what they're doing that's giving you problems, what you're doing that's giving them problems and start coming up with some solutions um, for whatever's been giving you problems. But then also, you know, to think through their next move as well and and then come up, you know, with an, an offense and defensive plan. Sometimes the adjustment is, you know, really not doing anything. You know, I mean, you just got to think through it all and go through the checklist and say, hey, what we're doing is what we need to be doing. And um, or you, you've you've obviously got to make adjustments and you got to be able to communicate it, you know, with your guys clearly um, really what ends up being a really short amount of time. You know, I think halftime might seem like it's long when you're sitting and waiting for the game to get started. But by the time you get in there, get together as a staff, go through it all, make decisions, then get back together with the guys and communicate all of that, get back out for at least three minutes for the stretch. You know, it's, it's, it's not a lot of time. It, adds, it gets real fast in a hurry. Uh, before we turn the page on Wisconsin, one of the, the things that came out of the week was one of your 
anchors on the offensive line. Senior Mike Van Hoven wore number 69 in order of Jake Donnellan during that contest. And you touched on it during your press conference. Uh, an emotional guy that Jake is out there being a leader of your team. And for Mike to wear his jersey was a real touching statement for him. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, you know, Jake is still with us, Yeah, right? He just, um, you know, he, he's just not going to be able to play again this season. And so um, when those two were a freshman, if you remember when uh, Darian Terrell uh, had to retire during camp, um, Jake Herkham, I believe it was, wore his jersey, just again, a fifth year senior and buddy and um, just wanting to honor him because they feel so bad, you know, for each other. And um, so <clears throat> Mike did that and uh, really glad that he did. Um, you know, Jake uh, got to carry the wrench out, let our team out, uh, Wisconsin, and and um, he's going to be just fine. Uh, but when you only get to play whatever it was, 19 or 21 plays of your sixth yep. year um, and it comes to an end, that's uh, – you know, these guys put so much into it, and it's so important to them. It's a, it's a big deal. Well, let's hope it has the same fairy tale ending that Darian Terrell had, because if everybody remembers, Darian came back and played in that bowl game at the end of the year. So never say never. That's right. You got a good memory. That was, uh, uh, that was special with uh, DT being able to come back. This week's opponent, the Minutemen of UMass, a team that uh, last week took on Boston College. They're an independent, but a team that you know well, having formerly been in the Mid-American Conference. Granted, it's a much different staff this year that you'll be facing. Uh, what have you seen so far out of UMass from their two games? They've played both Pitt and uh, Boston College. Yeah, they're playing great competition. You know, it's like if they look at our you know, Wisconsin game, obviously we weren't um, very competitive, um, but we think that we're a good football team. And, um, you know, Pitt um, is is very good. And both Pitt and Boston College are now 2-0, and you know? I mean, so they played uh, two really good teams. Um, and I'm just telling you that, you know, our staff, which just jumps off the page in these first two games, is how much they've improved, um, how much better they are um, than – you know, the film that we were watching and I, you know, I, you, you hear that they were in a kind of a similar situation where didn't, didn't think you were going to have a season. And then all of a sudden you have a season. And so it's, you know, when they're looking at our, our film in 20, I mean, we better be a lot better than we were. And, um, and so, yeah, but that's all the film, you know, that, that you have. And, um, you know, they're really good players and, and talented. Um, and, you know, now I just think that they seem like they're, they're really well organized and um, know what they're doing and playing incredibly hard. Um, this is going to be a, a huge battle. Do you see some similarities maybe from this UMass team from when you took over at Eastern trying to establish their own identity because they, they've had to leave the conference now playing independent and again, trying to get that first taste of success is sometimes the toughest. Yeah. I mean, shoot, when we, when we played them, you know, um, when I was here early, we played them twice and lost to them both times. Um, and, you know, I think that they've, their history, you know, of coming up through the, the levels, I mean, they won a national championship. Um, I mean, so there's a really strong, proud, um, tradition. Um, and so, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm just telling you, um, this is going to be like a Mac football game. It's exactly how it's going to be. And, um, you know, the team that, uh, uh, plays the hardest and the smartest and executes and, and, uh, makes plays is, is going to win the game. It's going to be a dogfight. 
Coach, best of luck this weekend. We'll be with you up in UMass and hopefully uh, an Eagles victory that we're talking about this time next week. All right. Appreciate it. Chris Creighton here, Alex and I, with a quick timeout as the Eastern Insider Podcast rolls on. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast, your home for all things Eastern all the time. You just heard from the big man himself, Chris Creighton, as he talked about his team's week at Wisconsin and what it'll take to beat UMass this Saturday now. We're lucky to be joined by somebody who is a player, but really, if you were to ask Coach Creighton, would say more of a coach on the field, and it's a sixth-year senior offensive lineman, Mike Van Hoven. Mike, Coach has talked a lot about you in your career. You're somebody that has really worked hard to get where you are now, starting anchoring that offensive line, and you're leading a group that's had a, a pretty good run of success over the last couple of seasons, a little setback at Wisconsin, before we get into the things uh, that you'll need to do to get back on track at UMass, take us through that Wisconsin game, some of the things that you noticed from your playing perspective uh, that were good, that maybe didn't translate into statistics, but also some things that you know you need to get back to work on this week to, to really improve. Yeah. So, obviously, just Wisconsin's a good team. So, it's tough to get, uh, sometimes tough to get success against a team that's as good as they are. But stuff that was good, I mean – if you look at a lot of the film, I'm sure Coach Creighton talks about all the same stuff, but there's so much, so many plays where a lot of guys are doing something good and then, you know, myself included, one guy might, you know, mess up or fall off a block or get beat late and it just translates to something that's, you know, a one or two yard gain or a TFL. So kind of to get back on track with that, it's just a matter of everybody, you know, doing the job at the same time, not just, you know, one person mess up here, another person mess up here, but everybody's got to be on the same page and getting the job done at the same time to, in order for us to have success. That's why football is the, the, the best team sport there is. You know what's funny about football is that, and I'm sure you know this just from your playing experience, it seems like everybody who's a fan or who watches thinks that they know what happens on the inside. They think they're a coach of the game, right? Yeah. So you're watching, oh, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And one of the situations that usually gets the most conversation is when a team plays two quarterbacks, and that's something you guys have been doing this year. Let's settle the, the, the debate once and for all. As a player, what has it been like having two quarterbacks, both who I know that you trust and, and feel confident in operationally? Some people will say, oh, no, no, you should only have one, and, and this is why. But you guys feel comfortable having both Preston and Ben Bryant back there. Definitely. I uh, definitely feel comfortable with both of them. Have full trust in either of them to get the job done, no matter what play is called. It's not like, you know, one guy's a freak athlete, another guy's just a pocket passer that can't move or anything. They have both the ability to do it all. Both of them have the ability to do whatever we ask them to do. So I, I think that it's definitely not a bad thing to have both of them playing. Um, and it doesn't change anything for us as far as the O-line or the offense as a whole. It's, it, you know, you don't have to overcompensate for anything going on. And uh, yeah, I, I don't have any, any issues with it, really. That's good. And one of the things that I know Coach has really talked a lot about this year that you guys are trying to improve on is that running game. And this year so far, it's definitely been one of the highlights of the team, whether it's uh, Darius Boone or Juwan Hamilton, a transfer 
from James Madison or even Samson Evans, and you can keep going on down the list. Bryson Moss, talk to me a little bit about that running back room from the perspective of the offensive line. And I mean, it's got to just give you guys a little extra juice knowing what you have coming behind you, that if you can open up a little bit of a hole, they're going to make some exciting things happen. Yeah, 100% it does. And, you know, it's kind of funny you talk about having multiple quarterbacks, you have multiple running backs and nobody, that's an eye, but... Uh, yeah, 100% the room that we have in the running back with the running backs is phenomenal. I think that any any short yardage, Samson's getting in the end zone. And then uh, Boone just has the ability to do it all. Same thing with Jawan and, and really Samson too. Having any of those guys in there, it's like none of them are a step back. And having multiple guys that can get it done at a high level is a, is a big deal. Uh, the ability to you know break tackles, bust a big run, and... Um, like you said, you open up a little bit of hole for these guys and they're out and they're breaking a tackle and getting extra yards. And that's, that's, that's big time. Definitely gives you like a little extra motivation to where, you know, do anything right. And something good is going to happen. Well, and something that's got to be fun for you that you've only had it for about half of your career is a couple of years ago, the NCAA, uh, made the rule where you can push the pile forward and get extra yards. That, you got to love that as an offensive lineman. When you see running basket installed a little bit, we're going to come in and push them from behind. Definitely. Definitely. There was a couple plays at, uh, in St. Francis where we did that and got a four or five extra yards and that, that's so much fun. And then the running back comes out of there all excited because they don't go down and we're all excited because, you know, in our minds, those are yards in our stat sheets, but uh, it, it, it's definitely awesome. It's, that's a lot of fun. What's like the best? Everybody always, I mean, like a quarterback throws a touchdown pass, they're going to get excited. Uh, a receiver hauls one in and, and gets to stride to the end zone. What's like that play for an offensive lineman? What gets you guys the most juiced uh, in offensive play? Uh, honestly, for me, it might be a good quarterback sneak on, uh, on fourth and short around the goal line. It's something where you move the pile, and even if I'm at the bottom of, you know, thousands of pounds, Having somebody uh, score right behind you, that's a great feeling. Uh, Moving move the pile, like you said, if, if someone gets stalled and you push them forward for that first down or for that, for that touchdown, that's, a, that's an amazing feeling. Something where you're directly impacting it, that's incredible. Just the ability to, you know, I remember who was the first guy to say it, but the move a man from point A to point B against his will, that's a, that's a pretty good feeling. I'm not going to ask you to incriminate yourself here, but that's always something I've wondered too. How much talking is going on between the offensive line and the defensive line. It seems like, listen, because you know I've been around the program. I've gone out to practice, and I see how much you guys are sparring. How much back and forth is there between uh, you and the opposing team? There's always talking. Everybody's always talking. (laughs) But, you know, we like to say really nice stuff. Kind of throws them off their game a little bit. (laughs) Really nice stuff. Well, I'm going to leave that to you. I'm not going to ask you to repeat anything because I'm assuming the the really nice stuff probably isn't podcast acceptable, (laughs) but, but we'll just leave it at that. You know, you talk a lot about the running back room. You talk about uh, the the receivers and the quarterbacks that you guys have had. But this is an offensive line, and, and this year, your sixth year here, that really, maybe more so than the ones you've ever had, is one unit that's been able to mesh over from last year. You've returned all the starters, and we'll talk about an, an unfortunate injury uh, in a little bit here. But really, you've got to feel pretty confident in your group's ability to, to play together and really know where everybody's at on the same page. Definitely. Yeah, playing together for, I mean, it wasn't a whole season, but the season we had last year and then having all of spring ball together and then all of summer in camp, it's, it definitely makes a, a big impact on trusting everybody. You know, I've played next to City now for, this is my third season with him at, at my left guard, and 
you know, it, it, it's a big deal. I, I know exactly how he's going to fit all the double teams. I know when he's going to help me on pass pro and when he's going to fall off and uh, not fall off play wise, but fall off the block to help somebody else. But um, yeah, it, it, knowing, you know, what Dooley is going to be doing on the backside of stuff and, and just having trust in those guys and have a, after working together for so long, it's it's good and just helps us gel and play better as a unit. You think about, we used to talk about you all the time and coaches will mention this for long after the time you're gone. When you were a freshman, you used to stay out after practice, almost every practice in the half moon of the end zone here at Ryanerson Stadium where your offensive line unit gets to work every day. And you used to go through drills by yourself. When you look back four or five years to that point, and I know you're right now thinking just about football here, but when you look back, what does it mean to you now to be able to say, man, I'm, I'm leading the group that I was working so hard to just become a part of now here in your senior year? Yeah, it's, it's really special. And, uh, you know, that and all the extra lifts and everything else that went into it, just knowing that, you know, your hard work has paid off, it, it's, it's a really good feeling. And then now – seeing other guys doing the same thing. They're, you know, now they're with me after practice uh, doing some stuff and they're getting extra lifts and seeing these younger guys doing it too, that's a really good feeling too. And not saying that it's just me making that impact or anything, but seeing other guys kind of follow in those same kind of steps and, and knowing the uh, ability that I've had to do some things that I've wanted to do because of all that hard work and knowing that these young guys are going to likely see some similar things that's that's a pretty cool feeling you've had a unique opportunity because you've had to play for multiple position group coaches uh, since you've been here of course recruited by coach grubb who's now the offensive coordinator at fresno state and his teams are lighting it up probably not surprising and then you get james Patton in who has an unbelievable wealth of experience has moved on to his alma mater in miami but now sean coughlin comes in who has just as good of a resume it's not easy to go from coach to coach to coach, but if you have to, I've got to imagine the ones you've gotten to play for have all been pretty special in their ability to help out, and that includes Coach Coughlin, who you're playing for now. Yeah, definitely, and they're all a little different. Obviously, every coach is going to be a little different, but it's it's cool to be able to have you know all these different coaches and take you know a little bit from this guy and a little bit from this guy and kind of be able to blend everything together and. With Coughlin, the way that he's come into the room has been phenomenal. I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed him as a coach. And the just the way that he came in and really attempting to build relationships with guys was incredible. I think he accepted the job. And within two days, before he was even up here, he had called everybody on the phone and was trying to form these relationships. I'll still get random texts or calls, and I'll be like, oh, man, am I in trouble? And then it's just, you know. <laughs> him checking in, seeing how I'm doing on our day off or something. But Well, and it's funny because he told me that when he accepted the job, both you and Jake Donnellan told him right away, hey, listen, welcome, but we're letting you know right now, we've got a system here yeah. and it runs well and you're going to have to fit into that a little bit. And he said he respected that a lot, but that means a lot to know that you can say that and have that kind of mentality with a coach and you've earned the respect that that they'll listen and, and embrace that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we had a kind of – attitude with the with the group of you know we're going to get the job done no matter what and we're going to bring our energy and we're going to get do all these things the the way that we're going to do them uh, because that's the right way to do them and we didn't want that to fall off at all and he's done a phenomenal job of you know keeping that and raising it more i mentioned a good good friend of yours jake donnellan 
who had an injury um, a couple of weeks ago, was not able to play against Wisconsin. For those that were watching the game, you're normally in number 60. You were in 69 uh, against Wisconsin. Explain why you did that and why it was so important for you to honor Jake Donlon. So I wanted to wear Jake's number. And honestly, this dates back to 2016 when uh, it was mine and Jake's first year and we were, we were getting redshirted. Uh, our, our guard at the time, uh, Darian Terrell, he messed his knee up and was going to be out. And so Jake Herkham, who normally wore number 50, wore 71, who was, which was uh, DT's number. And he did that to honor him because he had been here for five years with the guy. They had formed such a strong relationship that it killed him to see this guy be out and, uh, and wanted to honor him with that. So when that happened to Jake, that was the, honestly the, one of the first things that, that came to mind was I've been with Jake for here for this is our sixth year, and we've been really, really close friends. We've roomed together. And uh, we've been you know, just working together, bleeding next to each other um, for this whole time. And to see him go down, uh, that just it breaks my heart. And I know how much he was looking forward to the season in general, but also to the Wisconsin game in particular. And, and it just killed me to know that he wasn't going to be able to play, that I wasn't going to be able to play next to him. So I wanted to represent him, wear his number, and play my heart out uh, for – for him because I know obviously he wasn't able to be on the field next to me doing it. Final few moments with Mike Van Hoven here, senior offensive lineman for the Eastern Michigan football team. Mike, fill in the blank for me. We must do this to beat UMass on Saturday. I think that we just have to come fully prepared with just the mindset that we're going to go in and, and when we're going to bounce back the, you know, last week does not define us who we are as a program, what we're going to do this year. And I think that we just have to flush it, learn from it, and move on and just be all focused on this week. Mike, always appreciate your time on the Eastern Insider Podcast. I don't care what they say about offensive linemen. You were always a great conversation and somebody we certainly looked up to. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us today. And good luck against UMass as uh, you guys get on the right track this weekend against the Minutemen. Thank you. It's been a blast. There he is, Mike Van Hoven, senior offensive lineman for the Eastern Michigan football team. You heard from Coach Creighton? You heard from Greg and I, and you heard from Mike Van Hoven, a football jam-packed episode here on this week's Eastern Insider Podcast, getting you ready for all that you need to know ahead of Saturday's matchup with UMass. Another episode in the books. Don't forget, we'll be back next week, and it's a home game, so we've got great prizes to give away, including uh, tickets to the game against Texas State. For Greg Steiner, I'm Alex Jewell, thanking you for listening in this week to another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.